The Phoenix Founders Podcast is sponsored by Arizona Venture Development Corp. AVC invests in early stage tech startups and funds across multiple sectors, including software, while providing access to equity capital for underrepresented founders and communities in Arizona. Heidi Janenga has achieved what every founder dreams of market dominance, the backing of prominent investors, future-looking expansion, and an award-winning culture. But when talking with Heidi, we saw the same grounded, humble, hardworking founder we met when WebPT was just starting 17 years ago. Today, Heidi is still at WebPT. She's the constant amidst their massive growth and evolution. She's also turning her attention to giving back. In the second part of our interview, we're going to hear how Heidi is changing the lives of physical therapists in a new way, one that's very personal to her, and we'll find out what's next for WebPT. Let's dive in. I remember... um we were we were at a conference, and I guess it was this Vail conference. It was maybe called the KeyBank oh, yeah. SaaS conference mm-hmm. then, and there was some social hour, and I saw you sitting at a table, and I maybe had met you once or twice be- before then, and I remember I sat down and talked to you. It was my favorite part of the whole conference. It had nothing to do with the conference, <laughs> was sitting down You're and so talking kind. to you, and the thing that you talked about was culture, and you talked about, I remember that. I remember you talking about culture and values, and we were still... At Campus Logic, we were still trying to work through a few things. We, we had good foundation, but it's just never, it was never enough. But I remember you saying that. It had a huge impact on me. So thanks for the impact you've had on, on me and my own journey. Um, do you ever feel like you talk about purpose, mission, or values too much? I mean, it's, it's, it almost feels like it's never too much. <laughs> like, 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 do you feel like you have to constantly, cultural warrior means you're constantly beating the drum, I think. Has that been your experience? Yeah. Uh, I don't think it can ever be talked about too much. Um, and it doesn't, it, for us anymore, it's so part of our ingrained in our vernacular ingrained in, you know, uh, part of our interview process. Like it's just so like intertwined with everything that it's not like I have to come up there. Hey, remind everybody, he hears our core values. Like yeah. it's already there. It's not a side part of the company. It is the company. It is the company. Yeah. It does come up though to, I feel like I am the one that sometimes has to bring it up when we are making big decisions in the business mm. to bring it back to the core of what we do and why we do it. Yeah. If that makes sense. That's the North Star. Yeah. yeah, To to be reminded of what the North Star is because you can get distracted with, you know, valuation and all of these other things, profitability and which are all super important to the business. But at the same time, if you're going to make decisions that stray away from that North Star, then you have to understand what the consequences are going to be. Do you think you developed your culture value system with your employees? at the right time. You said it was around 2010, 2011. Do you think you should have done it? Ever wonder if you should have done it a little earlier or a little later? I mean, in retrospect, I, I would say no. Like, um, mainly because it was it was ingrained already. It just wasn't defined and written down in explicit. words. It no. wasn't explicit, right? So organically, it was there yes. already. Yeah, it was yeah. organically there. It was being lived by everybody. It was understood but not explicit. Yeah. Yeah. And that, 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 I mean, that was the time, the the timing was we had about 40 people in the company. Um, and we were about to, we were about to double in size. 
right? And so we felt this cultural shift that was happening, that that translation, that uh, osmotic way of passing it on to somebody else wasn't quite working anymore. And so that's when we said, no, 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 we need to sit down and figure this out and truly be explicit be, and truly define what, what, what it means to be a WebPTer. And it can all get away from you if you're not explicit about it. Like it's easy to let people come into the culture that are not like, don't, don't fit if you're not really careful about it. So I love that. That's a lot of, to scale from a, you know, 40 people to 1200 people, I think you have now and have that, have such a strong culture is really incredible. Well, so. and people have to understand too, it's not exactly what it was back then. It's evolved. Yep. yep. Right. So it's not like I hold on to the truth that was want to be back in 2010. And I think that's something that um, founders get uh, um, accused of sometimes is, oh, we just want to go back to the way it was. Yeah. And if so, if you're not willing to evolve with the business itself and understand, well, what are the what are the priorities of the business today and how do those things like we've had to revisit this quite a bit through this whole digital first transformation. How do we get people engaged um, with the values, with how do we infuse those into now this new normal of people working from home that you're not side by side, you're not, you know, having hallway conversations. Right. And so how do you do that? And it's, it's not been easy. I'll, I'll say that because we were such an ingrained in-person yeah. culture to just overnight be, be transformed. You made, I think you made a, an amazing distinction between two things. You said, I think you said, priorities can change, strategic direction can change or something like that. But your values have been constant, you said earlier in the conversation. And that's an interesting, I think a lot of people don't, don't fully appreciate the, the nuance there that values are unchanging. This is how we're going to behave through the, through the duration of the company. But um, how we execute, what we're pursuing may, may move around a little bit over, over time. Uh, is that fair to say? I would totally say that. Yeah. And that if it's in, 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 if you don't hold true to that in hiring that next hire, that next leader, then it becomes harder and harder to stay true to that, yeah. especially, you know, top leaders. What's been really amazing to me is that culture has been something that um, has been celebrated and um, uh, told to us as a differentiator in our business by both venture capital and private equity. Like that was one of the top reasons that Warburg Pincus loved our business was yeah. the culture of our business. It, wasn't, it was obviously the numbers and all their opportunity to, to grow and make money off of us for sure. But, but one of the things that they believed would help us get there was that strong foundation of our, our culture. Yeah. I love that. Culture is a kind of shareholder value creator. Yes. I love that. Yes. And part of your culture is inclusion and diversity, which is something that's close to your heart. Can we talk about Rising Tide? Sure. Yeah, I mean, at this... Uh, evolution of not spending as much time in your business, kind of like you, <laughs> Craig, <laughs> yes. like you got to stay busy, right? Trying to have impact. Trying to have impact. That at the end of the day is um, probably the most important thing um, to, to me as well. And so uh, Rising Tide is a scholarship program um, that I started specifically for uh, doctor of physical therapy students uh, from underrepresented backgrounds who are getting their DPT and then also for residents. So if, if you graduated from your doctorate program, you have the opportunity to go uh, specialize through a residency program. Um, and diversity has just been a, a real issue in, in our profession. Um, we're nowhere near in the percentages of people choosing to become PT um, to reflect the population of this country. 
And, um, you know, we've done surveys of demographic information, uh, you know, getting demographic information from our industry. We do an industry report, report at WetPT every year. We've done, I think, for now for 10 years. We looked at the demographics and every year, you know, people would be saying, oh, there's changes. There's these, this happening, this happening. But the numbers would never change or very small changes. And so, um, you know, being a, a person of color from in a woman in this in this industry, um, I just said, well, I'm going to do something about it. <laughs> I have the means and I have the opportunity and I have a platform. And uh, so we are now in our third year um, and we, we do meaningful scholarships. So we calculated that on average um, the uh, student debt that, you know, students are getting are somewhere in the range of 80 to 100,000. Um, and so our scholarships um, that are renewable, they're 14,000 a year for three years renewable. So somewhere around, you know, 42, $45,000, which is a roughly half of, of what you would pay to go to a PT program in this country. So I still wanted them to have skin in the game. So it's, it's not free education. You still need to, you know, understand that you've got skin in the game, but it's a significant, it releases the biggest barrier of people of color to want to apply to, uh, to become a physical therapist. So do you have a personal connection? Do you develop a personal connection with every recipient? That yeah. would be, that would be really value. Uh, that would be really rewarding to me. I would think. You're so spot on, Greg, and you're speaking my language, my love language now. Uh, my my relation, relationships with people and building that connection is is part of uh, what I think is so is actually more valuable than the check that we write. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Jim Armstrong was a big uh, sort of inspiration, and he uh, has built a foundation um, and a program in Mexico in which they have scholars that they have down in Rancho Feliz, which is... Um, just over the border, a small, very um, poor town that he's helped to have many of their students go through college, which they could have never dreamed of going to college before. Um, And so he was a little bit of an inspiration in in sort of planning of all this. But we, every scholar that we have each year, we meet with them quarterly. So we're not just build, we're not just, you know, writing checks and, and helping with tuition. We are truly building a community and a network of these now individuals who will get to know each other. Um, and then we have the, you know, second years that are mentoring the first years. Um, and so every year, every quarter we meet with them. And then every year I bring them here to Phoenix. Um, we have dinner at my house. I love that. Yeah. And we have a full day. We call it the North star summit. Um, and so we have dinner at my house and then the next day we do a full, uh, day of programming. So, education, business education, um, you know, student debt education. How do you get, how do you handle your student debt? We have mentors now all across the country and sort of now our next phase is actually, um, uh, engaging with employers. So DE&I is a big deal of trying to hire, you know, people of color within your organizations. And so now we have a true pipeline of these amazing scholars who are, my opinion, head and shoulders above many of the graduates that will come out because of all the additional education that they've had um, and training that they've had with us. And so now it's really getting them in a soft landing of, of a place that they're going to be the future leaders. The dollars are impactful, but that's a serious flywheel when you add all the mentoring and like peer mentoring plus mentoring from you plus just the, the community you're building. That's incredible. Yeah. That's a serious flywheel. It's pretty awesome. Is this work, do you think, in inspiring other software founders to do similar work? Are you seeing a ripple effect? 
Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to take credit for, for, for a lot of that. I mean, you've got people like Warren Buffett and others who are committing to, you know, their, their pledge of giving away 99%, 99% of yeah. their, their funds. You know, we have the founders fund, right. Of people that are committing to give back to this community, the ecosystem. Um, so it's just another way of, you know, philanthropist is now part of, um, in my title, uh, in, in giving back, uh, to, again, to an industry that's given me so much. Um, and again, just trying to make a difference, trying to make an impact. It feels like that is a differentiator for Phoenix, that Phoenix really cares about philanthropy and giving back to the community. I don't know if you see that in other, I mean, maybe you do in other big metros. I think, I think so. I mean, I, um, I know they dubbed the early, you know, Phoenix, um, startup community as the, the word was patient, was, um, not patience, generosity, generosity, sorry. Generosity and performance. Yes. Yes. It was generosity, right. And giving back to each other and, you know, getting the flywheel started in the ecosystem, right. Of, of getting a few wins and those people are giving back into the community. So I think that's true, but I I don't know. I think that's probably true of that's how you build an ecosystem, right. So it's gotta be true in other areas. I know in, in Austin, so obviously San Francisco is now, so ingrained uh, with this and where it all started, but that's how it started too, right? You had some of these big um, organizations and companies that had big wins and they came back and planted in San Francisco. And you have people who've worked in their companies now gone off and started all these other companies, right? So Yeah, what I think we're seeing is a compounding of both talent and capital. And you can see, uh, I'm sure there's more examples than this, but I'll use Jacob Finley as an example who was at full, mm-hmm. you know, was at WebPT, mm-hmm. goes and starts Full Bay, builds a successful company. He'll build multiple companies, but that's a compounding of talent. That's right. And then there's also a compounding of capital happening in Arizona as well, too. So, and, and WebPT has been a huge part of that. What else is on the list? Well, I'll just, can I just expand yes. on that oh, yeah, a little Because I think please. that that is, um, people often think about the founders only and the impact that they're going to have in building this flywheel, right? And whether or not they're going to be generous with their money or their time. But that, what you just talked about, I think is so important because when we first started our company and we got to that middle stage, we had to go and pl- uh, uh, recruit outside of Arizona because right. there wasn't there weren't people here that had built companies from, you know, 20 to a hundred million in SAS. Yeah. It's, now, hard to, it's hard to find a venture backed CFO to in Arizona if there have been no other venture backed CFOs, right? That right. I've done it before. right. Yeah. And so now you've got this magnet of company with all these companies here now and companies that have made it campus logic and others, right. Yeah. That yep. have gone through this uh, cycle who now you have all of these employees and, and obviously we'd love to have every employee stick with us, but that's not reality. Um, but they go off and they're now employed with other companies. They're going to help them grow and get to that next level and so on and so on. Right. So I, I just think that's so understated um, to, to build up the, the Phoenix ecosystem. Like we have to get people to stay here um, and, and have companies that they, you know, find interesting and have growth opportunity. I agree. I agree. I think, uh, and I think you're seeing that happen, but I totally agree. Thank you for elaborating on that. Heidi, what's a piece of advice that you've received in your journey that has really stuck with you? Oh my gosh, so many. <laughs> um, probably the first one is to uh, not take yourself so seriously. <laughs> um, I think as uh, you know, you take on a lot of burden to to be 
to have all the answers um, when you're, especially in the early stage. Um, and so, uh, you know, things need to be perfect and, and, you know, have all the right answers and that import that, um, you know, the uh, ability to fail um, is, was not necessarily in my vernacular. It's not just, that's not innately in me. Um, but understanding that more as I've gone through this process and, you know, that you, you aren't perfect and you're, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to learn more from your mistakes than, uh, you know, all of the successes, I think is probably the best advice that people have told me is just don't take yourself so seriously all the time. I think that's such great advice. <laughs> I do think it's hard for founders because part of what has made you successful is, uh, and I mean this in absolutely the best way possible, intensity, right? And, and, and resilience and duration. So you're like, there's, you've got to just drive and grind to, to make the company successful, but it's such great advice to like, temper that with not taking yourself too seriously. And that is hard. I think a hard thing to do, but such great advice. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And I've, I've taken that to heart in, in many different ways. I mean, um, a question that you get asked a lot in interviews and stuff, well, what's your spirit animal? And I've always thought about this. <laughs> really? Like, yeah. I don't know. It's always like an icebreaker for, for whatever reason. Um, so maybe we should talk about I've grass. Got, Greg, got, what's your, I, I what's your, your spirit, spirit animal? Um, but uh, the one that I've come up with over time is a chameleon. And part of that is my ability to blend with, and I, I don't know this, I, I've analyzed this a lot, as you can tell, <laughs> as, as I've come up with this, but like being, um, you know, half Japanese and half Caucasian growing up in an, an environment, you know, with both cultures and all of that, I've had to blend in over time and being an athlete and, you know, a woman in technology, like you're, there's a lot of blending that has to, has to happen over time and in sort of this thicker skin of, of taking on whatever the environment that you're in. Um, but I think that's really important if you're going to have longevity in a business. And as we talked about the evolution of being able to adapt is really important. So anyway, that's my spirit animal. I love animal. that. I, love I like that. that. What's your spirit animal? I, I don't, I'll have to think about that for a future podcast. I, I've given no thought to that, but I, I'm inspired, I'm inspired now. to do that. What are you, what are you most proud of in your journey here? What do you most, when you look back so far, I know you've got years ahead here, but what are you most proud of so far when you, if you could pinpoint one thing or, or a couple things? Well, if we want to talk about it from the business side, it's got to be the impact on people. Um, impact on employees. I mean, we've had thousands of people be part of WebPT over the years. Um, and I hope that, you know, we've had some small impact. I know people have come back and talked to me about, you know, the culture piece and how important, what, how much they've learned about culture and what they look for in their next employer because they had such an amazing experience with us. Um, with the, you know, financial uh, success that we've had of, you know, generational wealth that we've been able to provide to multiple employees within our organization over the years, just with equity and how we've, you know, um, given away equity with, with quite a few employees over, over, over the years. Um, that's, that's definitely, and then of course the impact on the industry, um, you know, as a physical therapist, I don't, you just don't get this opportunity to, to change something that is so close to you and, and really see it in real time, how you've changed people li lives and, you know, colleagues, um, it's just not, I don't, sometimes yeah. I have to pinch myself cause I just, you don't really understand that impact until people come up and tell you, but that's on the, that's on the business side. You know, personally, 
somehow I became a daughter or a mom through this whole process. And so (laughs) my beautiful seven year old daughter, and now I have a blended family, um, with two, uh, other beautiful twin daughters who just went off to college. So we're kind of half empty nesters. (laughs) (laughs) So the, you know, the, the groundedness and the, um, I don't know, the importance of family and friends is also something that I think is sometimes can get lost uh, in the whole grand scheme of success. And I don't know, I've never lost, I've, I've been proud of myself never to lose sight of what is probably most important. Yeah. I've loved that. I've struggled with balance on that, on the second point. What, what I would, uh, what I, I just feel compelled to say on the first point, one of my, um, one thing that I feel so strongly about is sustainable growth companies with healthy cultures, and I say sustainable growth, I mean especially a healthy culture, uh, can transform individuals, families, and communities, mm-hmm. and industries, you know, that, that uh, in a way that almost no other institution can. Mm-hmm. So I love that you shared that because that's, a, that's part of my personal, you know, mission to help there be more sustainable growth companies in Arizona. Um, and I didn't say that about community, but I think that's, I mean, we we are the, one of the OGs that's really helped to build this startup sure. community. But I mean, even in the community where we were, that was really a big part of who we were as a company. I mean, we have this beautiful mural downtown Phoenix that we helped to curate and um, that is a legacy of Wapiti. Um, you know, there's so many little things that sometimes... I don't know. You 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 don't realize how much impact over the years it's been. It's been a long time. There's been a lot that's transpired, um, both positively and negatively. But you obviously want to remember yeah. the positive. I love it. <laughs> Let's go to a couple closing questions, Heidi. Here, um, one. What are you most grateful for? Just real quickly here. You you mentioned uh, what you're most proud of, but just something you're grateful for, and then I'll get to the most important question at the very end. Yeah, I mean, I'm most grateful for my health. Um, and my family, family and friends, that's at the end of the day, what I'm most grateful for. I love it. And most importantly, yes, best tacos in Arizona. Oh. If you're going to go to eat tacos somewhere in Arizona, place? uh, where it could be anywhere, a couple, what, one of your, one of your favorites. I have a thesis that you can get the best tacos in America, in Arizona. That's my belief. And so if you're going to go get tacos, someone comes in from out of town, you're going to take your friend to tacos where, where's one of the places you would go? One of the places um, is probably Taco Guild. Oh, yeah. I love that place. So I love their tacos The vibe there. is great, too, there. Yes. The tacos are amazing, but the vibe's great. I love the long tables. They're keeping and... score. Like yes. Le- oh, someone said that yeah. before? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's a good yeah. one. I'm also, uh, because it's walking distance from the house and they're, they're very delicious, is uh, Blanco's is also oh, I love Blanco's, tacos. Yeah. yeah. So good. Their chips and salsa is amazing. <laughs> Heidi, thank you for being just a, a beacon in our community in Arizona, building something amazing at WebPT, and thanks for spending time with us today on the Phoenix Founders Podcast. Well, you're very welcome. It's been an honor. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. If you liked this episode, let us know and subscribe to hear more at phxfounders.com. 